So it's really my pleasure today to introduce a dear friend, uh, Dr. Alex Bolek, uh, to speak to us on God's grace and sovereignty in times uh, of war. And as you listen to Alex, you'll, you'll see that he is eminently qualified to speak on this situation, not just from his grasp of, of scripture and the principles which apply, but from a lifetime of living through uh, war in, in his country of South Sudan. And so we're in for a real treat today. Brother Alex studied medicine at the University of Aradia in Romania uh, and has a master's in public and tropical health. He's worked as a GP and medical director in Khartoum in Sudan, and also for JH Piego and other uh, NGOs. He's the chairman of the CMDA in South Sudan. He's the Africa coordinator for ICMDA, and he's also the ICMDA regional secretary for East Africa. He's, Alex is married to Helen, and together they help care for 14 nephews and nieces. So Alex, is, dear brother, it's just a pleasure to have you here today, and we look forward to what you have for us. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Peter, for uh, inviting me to, to share on this topic of God's grace and sovereignty uh, in times of war. And as you have said, and as you will see me sharing, I have been um, through uh, many wars and, uh, and uh, I, will, I will come to that later, but uh, thanks again uh, to you and ICMD editor Peter for inviting me to speak on this subject. Um, uh, President John F. Kennedy had this to say, he said, mankind must put an end to war or war will put an end to mankind. So uh, what we really need as mankind is to put end to all, to all wars in the world. And uh, it seems it is something that has been on, ongoing for many years now, and we don't know when mankind will learn uh, to stop it. Uh, the, uh, the picture we see before us is uh, a book cover of uh, Andrew Wheeler, who has uh, joined it with the church in South Sudan during the years of civil war. His, Bible, uh, his uh, book title is Bombs, Ruins, and Honey. And uh, the, uh, the picture in that uh, cover, uh, you see buildings of uh, uh, buildings that have been ruined by bombs, buildings that are in ruins and destroyed here in South Sudan during the years of civil war. And his book title is really interesting. He said there were bombs and there were ruins, but he also uh, said there's also honey. And uh, uh, the honey is what we will talk about as uh, God's grace and God's sovereignty. Uh, God's grace and sovereignty are uh, two attributes that remain constant even in times of war and destruction. Um, I have been through uh, three civil wars, as Peter mentioned, and uh, the Egyptians uh, say, as the tempted, not the doctor, as the one who has gone through the pain, as the one who has gone through the experience, not the doctor, because the one who has gone through the experience can describe it 
better for you. And uh, maybe this is why I am uh, I'm sharing. Maybe this is why I'm sharing, and this maybe this is why I'm invited to speak on this because I've gone through this. Uh, I was born in the middle of a civil war. Um, uh, the civil war back here in South Sudan started in 1955, 1972. And in the middle, I was born in mid 60s. So I was uh, born in the heart of that civil war and that civil war lasted for 17 years. So I was breastfed and wind and, um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and had my early years in civil war. And then um, we had a break of 10 years uh, from 1972 to 1983. Uh, we experienced a relative peace when the Addis Ababa peace agreement was reached between the government of Sudan and the liberation movement here in South Sudan. And we experienced that relative peace for 10 years. But again, in 1983, uh, another liberation war, which is the SPLA, SPLM war with the, North, with the government in the North, uh, broke out in 1983 uh, to 2005. And I grew up during that time, uh, and that's uh, another 21 years. And then um, those of us and those of you who are following the history of my country, this last civil war uh, lead to, uh, led to secession of uh, South Sudan from the North. And to, in 2011, we, we had a, uh, a referendum where we as South Sudanese voted uh, to secede from, from the North. So we got our independence in 2011, and it was a time of jubilation, it was a time of joy, it was a time of celebration. Uh, but just two years later, we, uh, we rock our own boat and uh, uh, our leaders, they differed with each other. And we went to another, a third civil war post-independence that lasted from 2013 to date. Uh, as we speak, there are still issues um, uh, of, uh, of, of civil war here in South Sudan. This is nearly now 10 years and we don't know when it will end to have a long lasting peace. But uh, I can really say that uh, I was still born and living uh, in the right time and um, uh, in the right country as well. God doesn't make mistakes. And um, Apostle uh, Paul wrote this uh, Luke wrote this in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the book of Acts chapter 17. He said, from one man, he, God, made all, all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he, God, made, uh, he, he marked out and he determined uh, the appointed times in history and the boundaries uh, of their land. So God uh, determined our geography, God determined where we would be born, God also determined the time we would be born, and God also determined uh, the historical events that would come to our country. So God is not taken by surprise. God did this so that they, people like myself, myself like Alex, would seek him and find him. And I can testify that because of the circumstances in my country, uh, 
those circumstances brought me closer, uh, closer to the Lord until I found him and he actually found me. And uh, uh, Daniel, Prophet Daniel in his book said, God changes times and seasons. So he sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the, to the discerning. And um, uh, here is my land. So you see here uh, is a land of bullets. It's a land of uh, mines and tanks. And you can see currently uh, the demining companies are extracting, uh, are extracting the landmines. And you can see destroyed tanks lying around in the bush. And uh, somebody may ask me, if, if so, why are you remaining in this land, which is full of uh, bombs, in this land of ruins, in this land of bullets and landmines and tanks? Why are you there? Why have you not moved away from there? But again, I come back to the issue of honey that we saw in the beginning, uh, the honey of God's grace and being in God's will. And uh, uh, many years ago, I, I decided to leave the country and be somewhere else. And um, the Lord told me not to, not, to, not to move away. We go through uh, lessons from the Lord. Uh, in times of uh, Isaac, there was famine in the land and the, and the Lord told Isaac, dwell in this land and I will, I, will be with, I will be with you and bless you right here. And if you read that chapter of Genesis 26, the Bible says uh, Isaac dug and discovered uh, wells of fresh water. And so that's the, the time uh, of grace Isaac went through. When we submit to God's will, we always enjoy that honey and that uh, honey of, his, of being in the heart of his will. And uh, if you ask me today, many of my colleagues have left the country, others have migrated to other countries, but for me, the Lord told me to remain here. And uh, one time I was reading this scripture in, in Psalm 113, he said uh, about the people of uh, Israel, but they soon forgot what God had done and did not wait for his counsel. The Lord told me, you have to wait for my counsel. And then later I waited and uh, the Lord made it clear to me that I should not run away. And the scripture that the Lord used was uh, Zechariah eleven seventeen. The Lord told me, woe to the worthless shepherd who deserts, who deserts the flock. If we run away in difficult times, we are worthless shepherds. So the Lord told me, if you, if you flee from Sudan and South Sudan and go and live in a comfortable life somewhere, you are a worthless shepherd. But again, uh, we go through different lessons. In uh, Matthew 10, 23, uh, the Lord said, if you are persecuted in one city, yeah, you run to another city. So I do, I'm not condemning those who have gone uh, to other countries and, uh, and, 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 and find refuge there. Uh, but Charles Finney said, seek the will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Even in times of war and ruins, we need to seek his will as his children. And why war? Why, why do people fight? Um, John Steinbeck said, all war is a symptom of man's failure as a thinking animal. And um, uh, if we read um, books, historical books on uh, and why wars break out, 
you always find this uh, list, territorial disputes, self-determination, as it was with us in South Sudan, fight over resources, as it was with Isaac and Lot, and then political hegemony and dominance. Uh, there are always religious reasons for some wars and then the ethnicity and others. Wars can come in different forms, even like the war of concubine in Judges 19 and 20. And all these are due to the effects of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, and uh, James, Apostle James wrote in his epistle, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. So what do you do? You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So here we see fights and quarrels and evil desires and covetousness and killing all come from human evil desire because of the effect of fall. Uh, the Bible and the Lord Jesus himself have predicted times of war and uh, King Solomon in the popular chapter of Ecclesiastes chapter three, King Solomon uh, wrote this, there will be a time for war and a time for peace. And uh, Apostle Paul wrote, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And I think we are living, we are now living those times. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, said the Lord Jesus. There will be great earthquakes famines and pestilences in various places, as we see now with COVID-19, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. Even as we move towards the end time, terrible times of persecution uh, will come. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in you being witnesses to them. So again, even in difficult times, we still have the grace to witness, to witness for the Lord. Um, in history, Charles Dickens, uh, in his book, The Tales of Two Cities, wrote in, during the time of uh, French Revolution, he said this, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were going direct to heaven. We were all going direct. The other way, and when I read this, I remember the situation right now in Ukraine, what uh, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine are going through. They are going through this time of darkness, this time of despair, this time of, uh, 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 this time of, uh, of, uh, 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 of incredulity, and this time, uh, this difficult, and worst of times they are going through right now, especially those in Mariupol. And in short, the period was so far like the present period. 
it is what we call now a VUCA period, which I will explain, or VUCA world. The sum, that some of the noises authorities insisted on it is being received for good or for evil in the superlative degree of comparison of comparison only. So you see the Bible and history have spoken a lot about wars. So what is the Vuka world? We are currently living in this Vuka world. The Vuka world is a volatile world. The, the world is now um, boiling uh, with civil wars, with many problems, including infectious diseases. It is an uncertain world. And um, you cannot imagine that a country that has been peacefully living uh, uh, and uh, all of a sudden it is attacked and all of a sudden it is in war. So we are living in a very uncertain world because we, don't, we cannot predict tomorrow what will happen in any country. And it is a world that is fast changing and it is an ambiguous, ambiguous world. It is open to more than one interpretation not having one obvious meaning and also not making sense. And it is a very weird, a very weird word. And Apostle Paul said, uh, how do we live in such a world? He said, be very careful then how you live in this VUCA, VUCA time or in this VUCA world. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So when we have the opportunity to serve the Lord, let us do it right now because we are living in days that are evil. Uh, let me uh, jump now to um, negative effects of civil war in any country. And I love, I love uh, the way the Bible uh, describes things. In Isaiah chapter seven, he said, all the land, the whole land will be full of thorns and briars. The whole land will be full of briars and thorns. And uh, those of us who have lived in, uh, in countries with civil war, we know what this means. Everywhere you go, the whole country is, is breaking. You go to the market, you find food items are not there or they are too expensive. You go to the hospital, you don't find medicines, uh, insecurity on the road. And uh, even now, as we live in Juba, I think Victor Yusuf is here. You can testify about this. We now have an unknown gunman killing people at night and you don't know who they are. So every, uh, every, every, every corner of the, of the country has thorns and briars. And uh, I wrote an article that I can share with you about importance of peace in a nation. You can find uh, all what I have written in detail, but this is the list of, of the things in that article. I can also share that article with Peter and he can share with you. And uh, uh, what is the effect of civil war in a country? The first one is insecurity and loss of human life. And, and um, people die unnecessarily. And uh, displacement, of course, and ITPs and refugees, we all know that uh, now in Poland, uh, people get displaced from Ukraine to neighboring countries. The spread of diseases and malnutrition and the destruction of course, to infrastructure, as you see now in Ukraine, buildings and uh, bridges are bombed and destroyed. This happens in any country that is in war. And then, of course, delay in economic development. Um, and um, uh, that one is obvious to any one of us. And when you see 
there's no the, the, you don't see any 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 developmental activities taking place and then lack of services and poor service delivery as i just mentioned you go to hospital you don't find anything in the hospital and then dependence on relief and external support uh, this picture here on, on the right uh, this is the 1994 pulsar award-winning photo from the sudan war and uh, 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 this was taken during the war here in South Sudan. And there, there's a prophecy about what would happen with the people of Kush. Uh, Kush actually in the Bible is Sudan and South Sudan. They said, the Bible says, they, the dead bodies of people of Kush uh, will all be left to the mountain birds of prey and to the wild animals. The birds will feed on them all summer the wild animals all winter. And this happens when a country is war, there's no longer any burial and birds and, and, and wild animals sit on bodies. Uh, another thing is the relationship between the, uh, uh, the health indicators in any country in war and, uh, uh, and, uh, and war. In, uh, here, I'm sharing uh, the health indicators as an example from South Sudan. Life expectancy is reduced. And uh, you can imagine maternal mortality out of 100 live births, uh, over 2,000 women. These are all the indicators from 2020, 2006 and 2010. But uh, it is just to show you how war affects health indicators in any country. So out of every 100,000 births, uh, uh, over 2,000 women die here in South Sudan, all related to the, to the war because people, uh, you know, hemorrhage is the leading cause and women delivering in villages, they cannot come to the hospital because of insecurity in the roads. They end up dying uh, out of hospital. Adolescent births, 300 over uh, one uh, out of 1,000 uh, females aged 15 to 19 there are uh, 300 birds uh, uh, per 1,000. So um, you can see that when as an infant mortality rate uh, was found to be 75 out of, out of 1,000. This is ranked in the world's bottom 10 uh, countries. And then another, another very sensitive indicator is, more, uh, is uh, under five mortality rate out of 1,000. Uh, live births, 100 uh, die, and that is also in the bottom 10. Um, relationship are the same. Uh, 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 in terms of immunization, uh, only you can find 6% uh, under, uh, of children under two years are fully immunized. And then uh, only 19% uh, of births were attended by skilled personnel and only seven households had improved sanitation. And about only about 70% had improved drinking water uh, sources. People take water directly from the streams and from the, from the river. And then malaria in my country was found to be the leading uh, cause of death, accounting for 25% of deaths. And then you can imagine antenatal coverage was found to be as low as uh, about 5% and HIV prevalence was 2.2. So you can hear 2.6%. So you can see here 
uh, 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 a uh, negative effect of civil war on, the, uh, uh, on health indicators in any country in war. But now let's, let's turn quickly to God's sovereignty and grace in terms of what the subject of our topic before we conclude. God is sovereign over the hearts and kings of presidents and the kingdoms of men. The, the, the heart of the king is in God's hand like a water course and he directs it as he, as he wants. God uses historical events, including painful ones, to work out his eternal purposes. History is actually known as his or God's history. Uh, Prophet Malachi wrote, great is the Lord even beyond the borders of Israel. God is great, uh, is great beyond borders of countries. And our God is also a God of restoration. And this is uh, a great promise. After this, I will return and rebuild uh, David's fallen tent. It is ruins, I will rebuild and I will restore it. And uh, Hosea equally echoed, echoed that. He said, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. He will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. And I can tell you that uh, revival in the church in South Sudan happened during the chaos of civil war and uh, the revival in 90s. And that was the time I even came to the Lord. That time happened. Uh, 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 that revival came during uh, uh, a turbulent time of civil war in South Sudan. So God can turn things around for good. God is able to redeem our suffering and turn it to a positive account. Wrote Reverend Joshua, uh, Joseph Marona, the former Archbishop of the Anglican Church in South Sudan, when he wrote a forward for uh, Andrew Wheeler's book, um, God is able to bring something good out of evil. We know that in all things, God work out for the good of those who love him. Who can, uh, I remember when uh, Job was going through a difficult time, Job asked this question and said, who can bring something pure? Who can bring something good out of evil? And he answered it himself. He said nothing. So, but he, he, answer, he, he answered himself and he said nothing. Uh, no one can do that, but that was too early. In the last chapter of the book of Job, Job said, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears had heard of you, but my eyes have now, have now seen you. Joseph equally um, testified that you intended to do evil to me, but God made it for God for good. Uh, uh, I just want to conclude in one or two minutes, Peter, and then uh, I will re return it back to you. How do we respond to in conflict as Christians? The first one is prayer, of course. Kneeling knees are stronger than a marching army. So here in South Sudan, we have uh, considered prayer as a priority. When I was under bed, I, I was able to text out messages during the war in 2013. And I, I sent our text messages and uh, saints around the world pray for us. And here, this brother here is kneeling, praying for Ukraine. And this testimony here said, don't stop praying, please, because there are results. Sometimes we see 
an invisible hand. Sometimes we see as if the Lord himself is with, is with us. Pray until something, pray until something happens. Secondly, um, we have two examples from the Bible. I don't have the time to go through this, but Hezekiah, when the Assyrian king Nebuchadnezzar was attacking, attacking Jerusalem, uh, he mobilized prayer and he, he sent message to uh, prophet Isaiah, uh, Isaiah and said, this is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace. And when, as when children come to the point of birth and there's no strength to deliver them, pray for the remnant that still survive. So here he, he prayed and he sought prayer support from another believer. Uh, King Jehoshaphat equally, uh, when he was told there's a coalition of enemies from Moabites and Ammonites and Meonites coming against him, he again mobilized prayer and fasting for the whole nation and he prayed this prayer, our God will you not judge them for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. A wonderful prayer in time of crisis. Pray and seek prayer support in times of war. What we also do, as we see here in times as this, recently last year, there was a destroyed village and we move out and give and gave out uh, food, uh, food items and, uh, and tents. So uh, what people, what Christians can do in time of crisis is, uh, is, uh, is uh, mobilize uh, support to meet the physical needs. And this now reminds us of the Ukraine appeal that ICMDA has put out. In the time of the apostles, uh, Prophet Agabus prophesied that there was going to be famine in the land and all the disciples, each one according to his ability, contributed and, uh, and, and support was sent to Jerusalem through Barnabas and Saul. Uh, we also do um, peace building and awareness creation. We do seminars and conferences like in the recent national dialogue, the church was involved. We also do radio and TV shows and we also write on issues of peace. All these books are written by South Sudanese and, uh, and friends of South Sudan, Sudanese uh, uh, in, the, in, the issue, in the issue of war. And then taking part, of course, in the, in the peace talks. These are our church leaders taking a meeting in Addis to be part of the peace talks because kings sit around the table, the same table, but uh, they lie to each other according to Daniel 11:27. So that's why the church as salt and light uh, needs to come in. And then of course, advocacy to stop the war, the whole body of Christ uh, globally um, uh, move out and, uh, and advocated for peace in, in, in South Sudan with governments and people in positions of influence because in the last civil war, more than 2 million people already died. So King Solomon said to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, defend the rights of the poor. And then finally, uh, cause conflict reconciliation. And we, I think uh, General Sir Richard wrote seven things, but I think three of them, the church can be involved in that, like uh, peace building at grassroots level, which we are doing, and then reconstruction of homes and agriculture and legitimate economy, and then post-conflict justice and reconciliation and policy dialogue. I think those the church can be uh, involved in. And then, uh, of course, we should continue to pray 
even when the war is stopped. And then, and I think the mistake that we did as a church in South Sudan was that we stopped praying when peace returned. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. So let's continue uh, to pray even when peace returns. Uh, in terms of what we need to remember that the Lord is uh, holding the thermostat and the temperature and the time, uh, God is working out his eternal purposes. God is sovereign over the hearts of, and kingdoms of men and the church has a role to play. This is the uh, glorious promise of peace in the book of Isaiah. I will just read and then I end here. Uh, God will judge between nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train nor will they train for war. Um, God is gracious and God is sovereign in times of war. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alex. And, and that uh, it was what it said on the 10, wasn't it? Uh, all about God's sovereignty and control and uh, overriding power and together with his grace that that he shows and uh, calling for his people to be people of grace as well. And we're very grateful to you, Alex, for sharing uh, not just very deeply from the scriptures, but from your own personal experience as well. So coming to the questions and Dr. Alex, and first of all, we've got a question from an anonymous attendee uh, who says, thank you very much, Alex, for your presentation. So characterized by grace and kindness. Since the conflict in Ukraine, I've felt much more resonance with the imprecatory Psalms, which pray for God to notice injustice, to intervene in hopeless conflicts, vindicate the Psalmist and destroy the violent oppressor. These are emotions that are recognizable, genuine and scriptural, but that may make New Testament Christians feel uncomfortable or guilty. Are you able to comment on this tension from your own Christian experience in, in Sudan. So what, what, what place there do, uh, when we're praying, what pr place is there for praying that God will intervene, uphold justice, uh, destroy the violent perpetrators, and so on? Your thoughts? Yeah. Thank you, Peter. Um, my uh, favorite place for that is Joshua chapter 5. When uh, when God's people were fighting the enemy, the angel of the Lord came and, uh, and God's people asked him, are you for us or for our enemy? Mm. And I like the answer from the angel. He said, I'm neither for you nor for your enemies. I'm the, uh, uh, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the Lord of the, of the Lord's host. So I think in, uh, in times of conflict, we, uh, we don't side with one, um, 
I, I, in another presentation I, I made is that um, as God's children, we need to be neutral. And we, we are not siding with one, with one group against the other one. We, 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 we are God's children. And what we don't pray that God would destroy the other people and the other people would, would not be destroyed because all of them are God's creature. Uh, if we come to see this war now between Russia and Ukraine, the, uh, the Ukrainians and the Russians, they are both God's cre creation. Uh, what I mentioned earlier that all of this ha is happening because of the evil of, uh, uh, that came in uh, due, to the, due to the fall uh, after the fall men's heart becomes polluted. So for us, we, uh, we pray for all of them, but we can intervene that uh, the, we pray that the, the voice stops and lives are saved. So even here in South Sudan, when there was uh, a North and South fighting, the church was praying uh, for, both, for both parts, for the North and the South. Thank you. And <clears throat> What, what about in, in the cases where there is really uh, incredible injustice and uh, abuse and innocent and vulnerable people, uh, you know, relative, of course, none of us are innocent, but you know what I mean, relatively innocent and vulnerable people, the, the elderly, the sick, uh, women, uh, children, and so on, are being, being hurt and, and damaged. Is there a place to... to to pray for the restraining of evil and that the perpetrators might be stopped and, and what, what form might that take? Yeah, um, I think there are two things there. The first one um, is that, uh, as I said, uh, the church can play a role of advocacy uh, as King Solomon said, uh, uh, pray, and I uh, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, the vulnerable children and women, and like the child we, we saw being eaten or about to be eaten by a vulture. Those are the people we need to speak on their behalf and tell the world, see what is happening. Let the world stop because these people, this poor creature is dying. So that one is the role of advocacy, we can do that. And in terms of justice, uh, God is also a God of justice. So we live, uh, we live justice to God. And uh, the scripture on that is um, Romans, um, Romans 12, 19. Uh, it said, uh, don't take vengeance, leave, uh, leave vengeance to God. And I, I believe that God, God is still uh, a God of justice and he will do it his own way that we, that we don't know. Um, another one is, um, we can, uh, like what happened in Rwanda and, uh, and South Africa, uh, the church uh, was also involved and uh, different entities and uh, advocacy groups came together and they brought all the parties together and later people came and confessed what they, uh, what they have done. People came openly uh, and say, uh, during the war, we have uh, committed these atrocities for which we are, we are sorry. And then of course, uh, governments can take up the other criminals that were found to be implicated and they were put behind the bars. So all so uh, uh, governments and, uh, and, uh, and churches and believers, they, they play different roles. And uh, when in the end, God is a God of justice. Thank you. Um, another anonymous question here is asking, 
the fact that many of us as Christians struggle with why God intervenes sometimes, but not apparently at other times. You know, wars that we pray will stop, just grind on and on and on and on with more of the effects you've so elaborately described. So, uh, and the, the apparent inequality and injustice where some people are suffering and others are not or getting away with it. What's your understanding of God and his intervention and actions in situations like this when, as I say, we're praying for something that just doesn't happen? Yeah. Um... I, I mentioned that uh, in times of fighting, God uh, holds the thermostat. Um, he holds the, the temperature and he holds the time. In time of crisis, God holds those three in his hand. He holds the thermostat, which means he can regulate the temperature. He also, re he, he, he also holds the temperature and he also holds the time. And uh, uh, normally, when people go through a, a difficult time, you don't know when peace will come. But because God is sovereign uh, over the hearts and uh, of men and kingdoms of men, all of a sudden, usually peace comes. Uh, we couldn't believe that all of a sudden, uh, the 21 years civil war here in Sudan came to an end. So we 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 keep trusting in God's sovereignty, and we keep uh, trusting in God's timing. And we also give trusting uh, that God will not uh, let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. Thank you. Alex, what, what part does the judgment, the return of Christ, the coming judgment, uh, the new heaven and new earth, um, how does that help us in our thinking about these issues? Um, the, last, the last scripture that I just read out from um, Isaiah uh, chapter 2, uh, the, the, I think the Bible interpreters say that is the time of millennium when Christ will reign uh, over the earth. There will be no wars, there will be no fighting again, and uh, so swords will be put in uh, plowshares and nation will not rise again against nation. Um, so that one, uh, uh, we look forward to that when, when the Lord returns to have his uh, uh, kingship rule, rule over the earth. Um, but uh, for now, uh, we still know that uh, as believers, even if we are going through um, a difficult time of war, we still, God's peace still reigns in our heart. And uh, he said, I give my peace, I give you, not as the world gives, I give you the, 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 the peace that the world gives is an external peace. But the world that the Lord gives is an internal peace that uh, in times, in, in turbulent times, we can, still, uh, we can still have peace in our minds and in our hearts. Um, so, um, uh, uh, so I think the, the, uh, until the Lord comes, we can still enjoy his peace in, 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 in this time, in, 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 in this, uh, in this uh, book of world, as I mentioned earlier. Thanks. So Gabor Giori, who I know you know well, is asking yeah, a question well. about anger and how we deal with it, how challenging it can be, especially when we're observing such atrocity and injustice, you know, either on our television screens or even even first firsthand. What what are your thoughts about anger? Is is there a place 
sport amongst Christians? How should it be channeled? What's the best way of recognizing it? When does it become sin? Uh, and so on. Just your thoughts on anger in a, among Christians uh, or context. Yeah. War context. Anger is a neutral, is a neutral emotion. And uh, and God has wired that in, into us. Even the Bible says uh, God, God was angry. <laughs> okay, so when God sees something that is not good, God, God angers and uh, uh, God gets angry. And uh, we also get angry. And uh, the, the Bible says about the Lord Jesus, the zeal of your house, okay, uh, has eaten me, has worn me at, and has burned in me. And uh, the Lord, uh, with people in the temple uh, when he got angry. So it, it depends on how we apply the, the emotion of anger. Uh, if we apply, if that anger would say, okay, um, there are children dying there, there are people displaced, I need to do something about it. Then, uh, then we apply our anger in the right direction. If we want, if that anger will move us to, to intervene in the right direction, then it is a uh, it is a holy anger, uh, and 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 it is um, an anger that moves us to to do something uh, right and good. But uh, a negative anger would take us to uh, revenge and uh, and and curse and say, "Okay, I want to go and fight." So then that way we are not employing anger in in its right direction. But anger is a neutral, is a neutral emotion, as I know from the Bible. Thanks. The, there's a question here about uh, Christian engagement in war. And of course, there's been a long tradition in Christianity going back almost 20 centuries of uh, whether Christians should fight and uh, in what circumstances. And there are a range of views, of course, from one end of the pacifist view that Christians should not be involved at all in taking up arms, but should just provide care for those who are damaged, uh, to, to the other view of uh, the justification for just war when, when war is, is uh, waged for yeah. a just cause. What, what, what's your own view on that uh, and perhaps your own experience of it in in sudan and your, your reflections on that that uh, problem of christian engagement yeah that's a uh, uh, a good and difficult question um but again as citizens we first of all we are citizens of a nation <laughs> we uh we, be, we we belong we belong to a nation and uh, if a nation is uh, mobilizing its citizens to protect its national integrity and you happen to be uh, chosen to go and uh, and defend the national uh, integrity and uh, I think uh, in that situation one has to submit because the Bible says you submit uh, to the to the current authorities you submit to the authorities so if I refuse to go to the army for instance, uh, to to protect uh, my national uh, my national borders, then that would be a rebellion uh, against God. And uh, but I think um, 
what we really need to do as Christians is to say, Lord, I'm not here to kill and, uh, and I, I, I'm not supposed to be uh, taking life. So there is a balance between what I want to, uh, if, I, if I really want to join and kill, or I want to join and, and protect my national integrity and in submission to the government. Those are always very sensitive, very sensitive areas. And, um, and here in South Sudan, uh, we, and I think in other countries, they are, they, are, they are Christian, they are godly Christians in the army and they are godly Christian in the security sector. So I'm not saying that it is wrong uh, to join the army. And when soldiers came to the Lord Jesus and say, okay, what about us? What do you, what, what do, what do you, what do you want us to do? Jesus, the, the Lord Jesus did not tell them, you, you leave your job as soldiers and, uh, and come and join the church. He said, you, you just do the right thing. Don't, don't extort things from citizens and don't, need, don't abuse uh, the power that the government has given to you. You just do the right thing, but be there as soldiers uh, for the nation. Thank you, Alex. Now, uh, we know that there is a CMDA, a Christian Medical and Dental Association in Sudan, and, and you're currently the chairman of, of this group, and I know you've been very involved with it over the years. Um, can you tell us a bit about what the response of CMDAs should be in times of war, and particularly from your own experience, what you've learned in Sudan as, as uh, being a witness as Christian doctors and dentists during times of war? What, what can you teach us about that? That's really a good question, and uh, I anticipated that question, <laughs> and, and it, it came. Um, what we have done, and um, Dr. Yusuf, if I can see, is here uh, in, in, this, in this discussion. Uh, for the last many years, um, we, the, the medical group here, we have mobilized uh, medical camps. We have gone to uh, IDP camps with, mo with mobile clinics and provided uh, treatment. Uh, to, uh, to displace people around, around Khartoum. And also when we came back here to South Sudan, uh, Dr. Yusuf and myself and others, we have, uh, we have mobilized uh, mobile clinics and we have gone around to, to poor areas around Juba and uh, displace camps and provided, and provided um, uh, medical and health care to them. So that's one thing that we do uh, as a medical group. Uh, and I think that is also in line with uh, 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 what you and ICMDA is currently doing, Peter, uh, mobilizing support uh, for, for, for Ukraine, the Ukraine appeal. So we have been doing that for many years and uh, it is in line with what is currently happening. Uh, the second thing, as I mentioned, is meeting the physical needs. The physical needs can be uh, medical, uh, but it can also be material needs, maybe food or maybe clothing or maybe uh, shelter. And the, the pictures I have shown you uh, of just of recent last year when a village was destroyed, uh, we moved out there, we mobilized some resources, we bought, we bought some food, we bought tents and, uh, and, uh, and, and soap and other things, other small items and we went there and distributed to the displaced community that was uh, living under trees. 
So that one, uh, that's th those are clear examples from what we have been uh, doing. What we have also been doing is writing uh, on issues of peace, uh, and myself and others have been involved in writing. Even this article that I will be sharing with you is now part of the book of uh, Reverend Colin Salter in the UK. Has, has been, he has been a missionary in South Sudan and he has been writing on issues of South Sudan. So when he found my articles, he included, he included them in his book. So we also do, we also do writing and, uh, uh, on, on issues of, of, uh, of peace. So that's, some, that's one dimension and that's one aspect of things that we do uh, as uh, CMDA South Sudan. Can you tell us a bit about the role of advocacy as well? What have you learned about um, speaking truth to power and being a voice for the voiceless in these situations? Uh, there's a powerful quote here that Abhijit Tavad has just put in the chat. We're not simply to bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. This is a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, of course, was the one who, who said that, um, who was actually involved in the plot to overthrow Hitler, wasn't he? And for that reason, he lost his, his life um, before the end of the war. Yeah, indeed. Um, and I, I remember recently, we also received um, um, a prosthetic limbs, SCMDA South Sudan and provided uh, <laughs> Those who lost their um, uh, those who lost their legs and arms, we provided uh, the prosthetic limbs. But in terms of advocacy, I think the church at a high level is 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 really doing that. And I showed you a picture of our uh, bishops uh, engaging the government in peace talks. And uh, there was a time uh, our president and the vice president. Uh, uh, went to Rome and the Pope uh, washed their feet and begged them and begged them not to not to not to not to take the country to war again because of the uh, poor civilians and the citizens and children and women and older people who are dying. So in terms of uh, um, of uh, advocacy, the church is in really uh, involved with that. At different levels, we can do it at the grassroots level, but we can also do it at the at government level with our senior church people. We've almost run out of time now, Alex, and uh, just maybe one last question. You've been reminding us all the way through about God's sovereignty and about his, his grace and the fact that God can turn any situation for good. As, as we know, Romans, God works for all for good things and all uh, for those that love him in all situations uh, or uh, Genesis 5020, uh, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. Could you just describe to us um, some of the good and great things that you've seen in Sudan come out of the war? How, how has God used the wars you faced to, to change uh, your people and society? A great question. Um, uh, the first thing, is that uh, during the war, many people and many young people like myself came to know the Lord. And today, uh, the church is full of, uh, uh, of young people who came 
to the Lord during the um, uh, during the civil war, and uh, so that's the that's that's the first thing that uh, I can say that the revival came uh, during during the civil war. And uh, I just saw a comment from the uh, 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 Yusuf Deng. He said, um, "We are uh, a generation uh, that the Lord is shaping." to shape the future of our nation uh, because we, we were able to come to the Lord and now we are uh, with the Lord and we are serving the Lord. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the, first, the first thing that uh, came out of that, the revival in the, in the Sudan and the South Sudanese church. We also got displaced, a big number of us got, got displaced to the North and uh, because South is dominantly Christian, North is dominantly Muslim, and during the war, many of us got displaced to the north, and that actually strengthened the church in the north. So it turned out for good, and um, and uh, that that's a positive thing. That because of uh, a big number of us that moved to the north during the war, uh, the the church in the north was uh, was 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 revived, and uh, so I think those two are uh, good positive things that uh, I can put my fingers on. Uh, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, as I think you, you said very early on, that very powerful illustration from Job, that Job was looking at the situation that was incomplete and seeing it only part way through. And when we contrast that uh, declaration he made in chapter 42 at the end, seeing how God had worked through the whole situation. He saw it with a very different perspective. And uh, you've really brought that to us today, the, the importance of knowing God's sovereignty and grace, and therefore being able to trust, even when uh, in we look at the world and it, it seems that uh, it, it may seem to us that God is not in control, that nonetheless he's working things for good for his purposes, and that there will become a day when perfect justice will be done there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and the the uh, swords will indeed be beaten into plowshares and the the spears and the pruning hooks as the prophet would say so thank you so much alex for sharing with us today from the scriptures and from your own experience so it just remains for me to say uh thank you and god bless you and we hope to see you again soon thank you thank you peter thank you